Hey everyone, Siler here. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Switch to Flip. We've grown a lot through this first season, and we're excited to announce that our upgraded website can be found at switchtheflip.com. There you can listen to the podcast, read the blog, and even apply to share your story live on the show. Keep up with us on Instagram at switchtheflip with two Ps, and don't hesitate to reach out. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for being part of the journey. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Switch the Flip, yo. Um, <laughs> I don't know, this is my first podcast. Just, I don't know what I'm doing over here. My name is Asa Manva. Um, from this little island of Sri Lanka in the middle of the Indian Ocean. So to everyone listening out there, come visit us. I second that. Definitely come visit. This is the spot. My name's Randall. Yo, and I'm Siler. Welcome to Switch the Flip. We're traveling around the world to share the stories of people who switch the flip on their country's social expectations to create a life that aligns with their passion and purpose. So we are here the roommates in our new house. We paid the rent today. Seventy grand. The rupees are in the landlord's hand. I'm really liking this place, boys. It's it felt homey right away. It felt comfortable. Thanks for finding this place for us. No worries. I had to get out of my own house. You know, <laughs> I've been waiting for it. And also, like the beach is what like five minutes from here, two minutes by bike. So it's perfect. You know, we can all just like. Go to the beach every morning. Yeah. I have to go to work. You guys can stay on the beach <laughs> all day. <laughs> Fuck you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but it's cool. You know? It's awesome. Yeah. This place is is dope. And um, the last place, Siler and I stayed, was Santa Guest House. Actually, just up the same road. Yeah. We have a sound clip that we recorded from this guy. We want to play for you really quick. What's the name of your place? With the name of... We're Santa Guest House. Do you want to say it so we can tell people about it? Ah, good. Yeah. Mm. Welcome to Wasanta Guest House. Get close. Get close. Uh, yeah. Welcome to Wasanta Guest House. <laughs> <laughs> this dude was the sweetest ever. He pulled up next to us on the side of the road. We had our packs, and I was wondering if we had a booking already for a room. And we told him yes. This place right here gave us a room offer for 3000 he said no 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 come with me 2500 uh, a night get in the tuk tuk and <laughs> i'll take you so we got in cuz why not right place right time and it was a nice nice spot wasanta guest house in ahangama highly recommended yeah wasanta was the man he took great care of us hooked us up with tea and biscuits every morning on the house he helped us with our scooter rentals locking those down and just a great guy great host and totally appreciate his entrepreneurial spirit when he decided to pull over and scoop us up off the side of the road. <laughs> but I'm excited that we have a place of our own now, that we're settled in somewhere. We'll definitely be sharing pics of this place on our Instagram, at switchtheflip with two Ps. So if you want to see what 70,000 rupees a month will get you in Sri Lanka, check it out. We've also been exploring the open mic scene here on the South Coast, quite a bit in Waligama and Midigama in particular, uh, it's been a great way to meet new friends, meet potential collaborators, and really just get up and play and have some fun. We met this brilliant singer from the Netherlands named Boo Boo. She's awesome. Uh, we're looking forward to getting some gigs together with her and maybe even record a demo in the new house to send out to potential venues and also just to have a little recording project going. So. There's so many talented people out here. It's just been fun so far to explore and network and get into these communities and see what musical opportunities are there for us. Yeah, really excited for some new musical opportunities. Um, one other thing that we're really excited about is the pranayama. We're really excited to share this practice. We had our first session, like group session, the other day at J House in Midigama. And Aslam, you attended... How did how did uh how'd you feel? No, I mean it was actually great. I've been like following like all these pranayama breathing exercises and I've like essentially been interested in it for some time now actually. I mean, I grew up in this like little community in 
in Gaul, like a Sufi community. So like we would also do similar exercises in the form of ha and who, you know, ha, who, ha. So anyways, yeah. So so it's called zikr, uh, remembrance of God. Uh, so you would like pronounce different names of God. So either way, so so it's essentially breathing, you know, like you would like say ha and who, ha, who, and you would keep repeating that. And they say like the Sufi mystics, like the the awliyas, you would call them. Nowadays they call them sheikhs, but you know they're not like not everyone is a sheikh who is a who is a sheikh is not an awliya, you know. So they would just like be so powerful because of these breathing exercises they conducted. You know, Jalaluddin Rumi, for an example, the famous poet, you know, one of the most famous poets in the world, you know. He, you know, the dervish, the whirling dervish, you know, the yeah. dance, they would, yeah, yeah, so it's really famous. So that's also a form of zikr. It's like, sort of like pranayama and ecstatic dancing together <laughs> yeah, with some drums and they would just do it. Um, and he would just go in the uh, the blue mosque. He would just like start rotating, doing the dervish, and you know his zikr, his breathing was so powerful that he would just levitate around the dome. Yeah, yeah, that was Rumi. Yeah, so that's how the whirling became so powerful, like powerful and uh, famous as well. You know, because people spoke about this Sufi leader who was writing these poets and poems, and you know, doing the dervish, and so powerful that he could fly. You know, that's that's incredible, man. The zikr, the hahum, that reminds me of uh, my friend Josh Gwen, yoga teacher and good friend of mine back in Alabama, told me that Yahweh, the sacred name of God in the Hebrew language, when it's spoken, the lips and the throat never close, and the tongue never touches the teeth or the roof of the mouth. So you're using the breath to say this name using the inhale and exhale so it's it's all about the breath it's all about the breath man the breath is life i absolutely loved our first workshop it came together with the help of our friend rami a yoga teacher here in the area it's one of those things we've just kind of been flowing since we've been here and i feel like we're really starting to get in the groove things are just you know we came here with the intention to share this practice to get some gigs and play music and really this week especially things are starting to fall into place yeah we're just really excited to be sharing what we love in sri lanka one thing i was really looking forward to in sri lanka was getting to surf and if you tuned into the last episode of the podcast you know that I did a little damage to my knee in a Ashtanga yoga practice. I think I'm feeling a little better. I'm feeling confident about it. And I think I'm actually going to be able to hit the water tomorrow. But Randall, you had your, not maiden voyage, but first surf experience of this trip. Yes, and humongous shout out to my friend uh, Victor at Soul Temple in Weligama. I saw him at the opening party and um, last year we went out to Aragon Bay on a surf trip with Aslam and Navajo and some other friends. And um, yeah, he was like, man, come by. So um, and I'll teach you. A, I'll give you a lesson. So I went this morning. He gave me the rundown on uh, technique and, and safety and etiquette and all that. And we went out to the water and I was catching white water like a like a fiend, bro. I was just <laughs> riding the riding the green wave. Fiend for the white lines. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the the bro, white foamy lines. Yeah, of course, of course, of course, of course. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to get off the white water, bro. I'm trying to get off. <laughs> oh my god yes indeed that's my goal that's my goal for the week get off the white lines of the white water <laughs> so i was trying to get on we're uh yeah we're gonna probably uh be talking a lot more about the surf life so um stay tuned for that cool so we're back our uh landlord and neighbor kamal just brought in some homemade Sri Lankan pancakes for us, super delicious. I think he's going to bring us some tea in a little bit, but we were just talking about surfing. Aslam, you're a pretty big surfer, yeah? Did you grow up surfing? No, I I actually started surfing 
after I was done with school, like, um, so like, I was just chilling and I took a gap year before I started university. So I started working with Leandro and Emmanuel in Bevata Beach. That's my home break, actually. <laughs> so, um, and then I just got hooked, man, straight away. After those white lines, you know, <laughs> the first few white lines, I just couldn't stop it, you know. So that's the only thing that I chase r these days, to be honest, uh, apart from working. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, that's one main reason that I guess we all moved here, you know, so we could surf more. So you grew up here in Sri Lanka. Did you ever entertain the idea of going abroad to study? You did end up going to university in Sri Lanka, too, for hospitality, correct? Yeah, uh, I mean, I wanted to initially come to the States, but it was just too expensive. And I realized when I was working with, like, at this beach bar in Devata, the scene was popping, you know. I saw, like, okay, you know, I can do this. Uh, also, it's it's essentially, I thought, you know, it's my home hometown and home country, and it's something that I can thrive over here and, like, really provide a service, you know. So... That's that's what actually made me go to Hotesco. And I'm done now. I recently moved back to Gaul. Hated living in Colombo. Not the place to be, for sure. Um, but the South is great, you know. Even living in Gaul during the off-season, it's beautiful, it's quiet. Nature is everywhere. There's things to do. You can surf in the off-season as well. It's not essentially only, like, a seasonal wave in the South, people think. But there are so many, like places in the south you can surf during the off season as well you know and what months are the the on seasons and the off seasons what which months constitute those uh usually the peak season is from december to april because all the sandbanks form during that time of the year and most of the waves in the south coast they're like the whole south coast you can surf during the season and there are so many breaks here like from hikado even further uh, Hikadua, you can go from there to all the way up to Hambantote. You can surf actually, which is which is a lot of like surf break, you know. So and you get like beginner, intermediate, pro, like all all like calibers of surfers coming here, living the season, and then uh, the off season is summertime usually. So that's like April to November, end of November. But that is usually the season for the East Coast, which is out of this world. Randall and I, we were there last year during April, actually, when the, sadly, that's the time, you know, when we found out the bombs went off for Easter. It was terrible, you know. It was really hard, and I was actually thinking, I don't know if Sri Lanka is the place to be, if it is going to be the same. But, you know, thank God, everything seems fine now. The energy is back. Everyone is in, like, good mood. And I think it's going to just bloom. I'm excited for it, you know? Yeah, that was such a... I don't even know how to describe it. Just an intense day. And um, I remember flying out. I, might, I, I was scheduled to leave right after that. My visa was up. But uh, I was kind of worried. I didn't want to go to the airport. So I overstayed a few days. And um, eventually I just went for it. And the security was intense getting to the airport, but I made it, I mean, obviously. I heard the immigration is looking for Randall right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I somehow got back in the country. No. <laughs> um, so you, you mentioned, like, seeing this tourism uh, industry here on the rise, and there were opportunities there. Um, and now you're managing at Hajime Sushi, right, in Unawatsuna? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I never thought that I'll be in hospitality growing up. I wanted to, like, definitely, like, write, and I want to study philosophy and maybe study law because that's what my family, like, whole family, my brother, father, like, everyone is just, like, I come from a family of, like, lawyers and they wanted me to become a lawyer and I was like no I was quite rebellious even starting hospitality was quite you know you know it was like okay are you sure you want to do this I was like yeah I'm sure because I grew up in the fort right so I would remember as a kid occasionally 
It was like one or two like white people who would come, like tourists essentially, you know. White people in Sri Lanka uh, has always been ever since we were colonized. Uh, and and then I would be like, okay, what are they doing here in my little village? You know, <laughs> it was literally like a little village. Everything was very active, but very old at the same time. You know, that's why like Gothford is actually a world heritage, is because it's uh, it has fifteenth, uh, sixteenth century Renaissance architecture with a modern cultural society living there. Uh, so it's actually the only living fort in the entire world with that sort of culture. It's very unique, actually. That's why I think it's really special as well. Not many people really know about the community that lives inside the fort because they go and they see like all these shops and expensive hotels and, and boutiques and villas. But essentially, the most beautiful part about the fort is... Uh, the community that lives there, the activities that go to keep it active, you know, and the ramparts, obviously, where everyone would just come and picnic and, like, spend the day, evening. It's beautiful, you know. So now I'm happy that it's blooming and people have, like, seen the fort for what it is. So, and then, so the place that I work now, you know, Hajime Sushi, I work with my friend Emmanuel. I work for my friend Emmanuel. And and with this 70-year-old Japanese guy, he's Hajime-san, actually. So it's named after him. It's like a little platform to him to like perform his art. He's a really awesome, awesome guy. Also a surfer. He came here like 30 years ago, never left. Wow. Might happen to you guys, <laughs> just warning. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's it's really fun working in in hospitality, especially with a guy like Hajime-san. And I have freedom to do, like, create, like, my job is to sort of, like, compliment him. And then I have this event thing going on as well. So, so exciting times for the South, I guess. I want to circle back to the events in a little bit, because I know you got a lot going on there. But I wanted to ask you what, so growing up in a Sri Lankan family, growing up here in the South, your family, you come from a family of lawyers, and you decide that you want to go into hospitality. What is, what's kind of the normal expectation for a young man in Sri Lanka to be doing in their early 20s or after uh, their secondary education, you know? What, what's kind of the expected path that the normal Sri Lankan might be on? Well, I, that's an interesting question, actually, Sila. Uh I would say, you know, everyone, everyone wants their kids to be to have some sort of professional qualification. And out of that, you know, being a doctor, engineer, or a lawyer is the supreme, you know? So everyone, like in the South especially, <coughs> most people just want to, like, you know, their, their kids to get into medical school, engineering school. Um, but in, in Colombo, obviously, you know, people are more forward thinking. So the culture is changing gradually. Uh, people are getting into a lot of like you know IT and stuff like that now. There are like a lot of opportunities these days, so it's pretty good. You know, Sri Lanka, they just want you to like have like some sort of professional qualification and get married and have kids, and that's it. You know, <laughs> so that's the path that you had to take. You know, have like you know have something steady. I guess it's same it's the it's the same everywhere in the world you know but in sri lanka you can see it culturally if you don't if you can't see it then you are socially rejected that's something that i have a massive conflict with but i guess you know you like you know something that some things that we have to improve on basically you know well what do you mean um when you talk about the social rejection, is, is it that people don't see you doing what they expect or having kids by a certain age or something like that and you're not kind of seen as uh, part of the adult class or something like that? Or what do, you, what do you mean by that? Yeah, definitely it's something to do with ages, like age and like, you know, they think, you know, you're not stable if you're not like this, if you're not following that path that everyone sort of expects you to follow. I guess that's the safest route as well. I'm not really blaming most of these people because 
you know, Sri Lanka is a small island and we've been, like today's our Independence Day, by the way, the 4th of February, uh, so 1945, so, so today is our 50th, f- 55th Independence Day, or 65th, 75th Independence, actually. Yeah, so so we b- we were colonized for 300, 400 years before that. Since 1515, we were colonized. Like I mentioned, you know, so Godford was built in the 1630s, you know, 1640s, uh, uh, completed by the Dutch. It was, it was begun by the Portuguese, and then uh, the British left it, actually, you know. So, so, like, after 500 years of colonization, uh, we finally got free on a day like this. Um, so it's massive, you know. So ever, so then, you know, the British sort of left that standard and, like, you know, everyone had to make it because it was sort of like, you know, the feudal system, you know, basically. And now it has become controlled democracy. Uh, one thing that our countries do share is uh, an independence day, an independence from Britain also on the 4th of July. Um and I think American Fourth of July is very associated with barbecue, fireworks, drinking light beer. But what are s- some of the celebrations? Are, are there typical celebrations or traditions for how you celebrate this Independence Day in Sri Lanka? Massive military parade in Colombo at the Independence Square right now. Uh, and uh, the three forces would be walking a line. It's massive, you know, so... I guess that's the main focus. Other than that, it's just a public holiday. Sri Lanka is also a country with a lot of public holidays. I love it. (laughs) Every full moon is a public holiday. Every religious uh, festival is a public holiday. We celebrate it all. (laughs) So with all these public holidays going on, does that give you a lot of opportunity to put on events and find your way into DJing with your collective Tropical Wax? I mean, most of these public holidays, we don't serve alcohol, and they're quite strict. It's supposed to be the day that you spend time with your family and stuff like that. So (coughs) we usually do our events on, like, not on a public holiday because you can't actually serve alcohol and stuff, so it's not the best day to do an event. But you can still, like, you know, have some sort of, like, cultural event happening. Which, you know, let me, if I may speak about Tropical Vax a bit, it's uh, something that we started a year ago. Uh, My friends and I, in Devata Beach, uh, my friend Emmanuel actually came up with the name Tropical Vax, and it was to sort of, like, before they were, like, organizing this underground music, festivals, parties, uh, all over the South, uh, and then it kind of stopped, and, you know, we thought of taking a different approach, you know, reaching out to more people, making it easier for them to, like, find out about our parties, so, um, there was this party (laughs) at this place called Scarlet Sky, I remember, and, uh, we didn't want to, like, uh, make it, it, before it was called GMM, Good Music Movement, GMM Underground, you know, and GMM Underground would have not, like, never had, had done a party at Scarlet Sky, but essentially Tropical Vax was about the, actually the music movement, the good music movement that they, they started, but really, like, reaching out to the majority, you know, like, telling them, okay, listen, you know, like, it's about, you know, it's not about, like, you know, listening to, like, like this cracked out music and partying all night music partying the party culture was that in Sri Lanka before but we sort of wanted to like change that into more like daytime sunset listening sessions uh, it can be any sort of venue that you just go and perform so I mean a few of our friends they, they're big into like collecting vinyls um, and promoting the vinyl culture the art the surf and the food everything over here so we recently we recently did a few events actually uh we've been doing events that's the first time i met randolph was at actually a tropical accident you remember that part yes at Appa villa and my our friend nikolai invited me i had just left the u.s on a 
two and a half month trip with no plans and I was in India uh, staying with my friend in Mumbai. Nick calls me and says, hey, there's going to be this crazy party in Sri Lanka. It's super close to India. Just fly out for the weekend. And <laughs> I, I, why not? You know, I, that's <clears throat> that's been my mentality quite often for the last year. So um, I came, took a car from the airport, showed up. My driver was, I don't know, it was kind of off the main path for a ways. And my driver was confused. Yeah, deep in the jungle. This, uh, it was incredible. I came there late, but there was a incredible boutique resort property, jungle, lotus pond, a nice pool where the DJs were set up. And essentially, that's where I met everyone for the first time that I'm still seeing regularly and hanging out with here in Sri Lanka. It's such a tight-knit scene around the music, really, and the surf. But um, I'm really curious about how the vinyl collecting culture manifests here. Is there an abundance of vinyl you guys can dig through? Is there a certain record store in Colombo or somewhere in the South? Like, how are you guys sourcing these records? So the thing is, you know, I'm not that big into, like, collecting vinyls as yet. Uh, but I know it's a real struggle. It's not easy. Uh, Omega uh, and E-Man and Paloma, so they like when basically most of like them they collect all their vinyls when they travel abroad. Uh, Discogs is great as well. That's where I I always look into. Yeah, Discogs is great. I love it. Even to discover music, Discogs is insane. You know, uh, so there is no vinyl shop as I think recently there was a few markets. But, you know, not the real, like, electronic music or, like, the selective stuff you want to find, you know. So it's not easy. So that's why we want to, like, sort of promote it and eventually, you know, like, have more platforms to, like, for people to, like, also get vinyls, I suppose. I mean, there's a lot of things that, that is brewing down the pipeline. You know, we just started it off. It's only been a year. <coughs> And the last new viewers, I wish you guys were here. We got Maribu State who came and like performed and opened for us. I mean, it's it's so so and something very big is going to happen in March as well. So you guys are going to be there for that. Yeah, I um, I'm excited to to learn about what's coming in March. I know it's under wraps right now, um, but we'll be here, and I can't wait, man. Um, the uh what was the f so so the first tropical wax event was the scarlet sky thing yeah. okay um since then you guys have come really far in just a year in terms of the the kinds of events and venues you've been playing at um what are you looking to in the future like is there a certain vision you have um for which where you want to go are you looking to have events in certain areas that you haven't been to yet like what's what's kind of the overall plan the overall plan is actually you know you can actually think of it as some sort of like a lifestyle like lifestyle brand you know you come to sri lanka you can surf you can go eat at all these like good like places but the sort of events that is happening over here is minimum, you know. So we want it to be like a platform where, like, you know, people can invite us or, like, you know, if, the, if we see a nice space that we want to go and perform uh, and play some good music and compliment the p space. So, you know, the, the whole idea of, like, us going into different places is mainly to compliment that space, you know. It's just to compliment it and, you know, share what we can and you know sort of like do a collaboration you know so i guess the vision in the future is to definitely you know do a festival and we're talking about it right now so uh, that's a lot of planning and i feel like you know uh, our team is feeling more confident now before we were not we were just doing it for fun um i guess it's essentially for fun you know just you know for us to party <laughs> <laughs> well i mean th i think that is the perfect reason you know like honestly you guys love music you love to have a good time you love sri lanka and to be creating a collective 
around those things and not only for yourself, but you're creating a platform for people that live here or people who are visiting here to come and have an amazing experience, hear music that they have never heard before. And, and maybe if it's comparing to another club or venue here that they've been to, like I'm going to name drop Tiki Bar just because we were there the other night. I don't know why we went there, but we followed the uh, the after party from the Soul Temple opening, which was the Soul like the Soul Temple, Victor's new spot uh, with this uh, like with the skate ramp and the music was good. And I thought the cocktails were really nice as well, actually. Yeah. yeah. I mean, everyone should go and check it out. If you're in Sri Lanka in the South Coast, it's uh, right in front of the Marriott. Yeah, we're actually talking with Victor about putting on some pranayama workshops at the Soul Temple very soon. Yeah, I think it's going to be super dope. But, you know, I'm someone who's also been a musician and also spent a lot of time working on hospitality as well. And it seems like you and Tropical Wax are really approaching music from the standpoint of it being a service to the community, a service to the party, and just really being a source of life and culture here in Sri Lanka. No, 100%. You know, like, most of the festivals and the good parties you go in Europe, even in the States, I'm sure, I'm not partied in the States, but, you know, it's all about the good sound. Come sometime soon, dude. Yeah, for sure. I have to. Now I will, for sure. Uh, But... You know, it's all about the good sound system, understanding the sound. Silo, you're an audio engineer. You understand the the whole concept and philosophy of sound, right? Most people over here, they don't know it. They don't even care about it. They just want, like, like you know, like, you know, tuck, 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 you know, like, you know what they, I don't know what, like, they really think what partying is about, you know? They think it's about... Like abusing things, you know, basically. Uh, so that's why we want like people to get away from that, even their following, to really understand, you know, you know that it could be much better, right, right. basically, you know. And the sound, main, mainly, it's all about the sound for us, you know, how it sounds to us. As a DJ, I wouldn't, you know, I even like hate the terminology of being called as a DJ. I mean, I just started DJing what three years ago. But I like to call myself as a selector of music. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I really like the term selector. And me personally, I don't know if it's coming from the States and also coming from a place of a, you know, my my music passion began stirring with more of a rock music background, right? The whole DJ culture is really kind of new to me. And it's something that I even, you know, I wasn't into electronic music for a long time. I wasn't really into DJs, you know, they're not real musicians, they're not playing instruments, right? But it is all about the curation of the party. It's all about the curation of the vibe and selecting those tracks. And 100%, man. And that's something like, uh, the more I'm getting to understand that, the more curious about it I'm getting and the more I want to become involved in that as well. Yeah, and I think the great point you made was that it's a service. And being able to, number one, detach from an ego standpoint and not show up to an event and be like, this is about me, my name's on the marquee. I feel like, especially in Siler, would, you know, I had that opinion too at one point in my life. He's like, oh, this guy's not playing an instrument. These aren't his songs. He's getting paid all this money to be at this club, all these DJs, right? But it kind of ties back into the realization we've had here at Open Mics. You know, we show up... People want to hear music that they can move around to, that they can sing. It's about entertaining people. It's about having that service and, and um, you know, just playing some good music for people that they want to hear. The most mind-blowing thing for me in the past two weeks has been how much people love Sweet Home Alabama. And as a Al- native Alabamian, I've always had a resistance to playing or hearing Sweet Home Alabama. And now it's times have we either there were two russian guys doing a concert and they were playing sweet home alabama and then there's all these people they find out you're from alabama and they ask if you know the song yeah and that that has changed i have learned the song it is in the rotation now i'm selecting it at all future open mics and parties <laughs> I'm, I'm also you know maybe i'll remix i come from alabama with a banjo on my knee we'll um 
we'll figure it out, figure out something good for that. You know, this, r- this discussion reminded me of uh, a story I heard from Questlove, uh, obviously the drummer of The Roots and D'Angelo, many other projects, one of the best drummers of all time, uh, amazing DJ as well. He was invited to DJ a party at the White House by Obama, and this was his gig, man. He was saying, uh, this was on the Broken Record podcast, he was saying that he was so psyched, this was his moment out of any gig he had ever had, he was ready to DJ this White House party for the Obamas. And so he curated this set list, he had it ready to go, he went there and starts playing the music, and he's bombing. He said, nobody's digging his vibe. Nobody's digging his vibe at all. And he's getting real down on himself. He just like walks away from the tables at one point. And I think he said that one of Obama's daughters came up to him and like was giving him the, what the hell is this kind of face? Like, what are these songs? And so he's getting all downhearted. And the president, Obama, comes up to him and says, Amir, Amir, what are you doing, man? He's like, <laughs> he's like, this is my set, man. They aren't getting it. He's like, Amir, you're here to serve the people. Go serve the people. Give the people what they need. Give the people what they want. And so then he went up there, started playing the more pop hits, the more, you know, the more, quote, danceable songs, right? Like the rap stuff, the more, you know, popular stuff. And killed it from that night on and he said <laughs> and afterwards he said he ran into Obama again and the president said now how do you feel now Amir and he said I still feel like shit <laughs> <laughs> oh my god I can totally imagine like how that feels I actually kind of dodged this wedding that I had to go and DJ at and they, the bride sent me like the list I was like shit I don't need this money I really don't fucking need this money, dude. I'm not going to play this shit. I mean, if Obama called me to come and DJ at his house and, like, play, what, like, Katy Perry, I would do it. (laughs) Oh, my God. That just makes me flash back to the days when I was um, in high school and college. My friend Matthew and I had a DJ business. And so we did parties. We did weddings and reunions i did everything from a 50th high school reunion to a sixth grade birthday dance party and i don't know if you guys had these like awkward dance parties when you were in like primary school middle school but we did in the states and it's like your first time like dancing with a girl and you're like oh my god so awkward anyway funny to watch from the dj booth these little kids trying to like figure their hormones out but um yeah, I mean, Siler and I had been talking a little bit recently about um, maybe looking into starting to DJ some, uh, starting to select some. Uh, it would be fun, but who knows? We'll see. Yeah, I guess, you know, it's all about that curation of music, you know? About it's, it's basically, essentially, you're trying to tell a story through music. Eventually, I guess you know you guys make the, your own music. You know, I'm I'm also like slowly getting into it, uh, all, like Emmanuel Shafni, um, all all these cats. You know, they make their own music, and I try and like drop like my friends' music as well. Um, but other than that, you know, it's actually for me it's a service. You know, just like curating the event. You know, curating that experience. Uh, show like your story to all. And welcome them to come and enjoy it with you. So essentially, that's what all like our parties are about. And I feel that energy at your events, and I also feel that energy in Sri Lanka. You know, I feel people wanting you to come and enjoy. And once you get out of the hot spot, like Unawatuna, that drag, and the Midigama, all the beachfront like strips, you know, you kind of come into the towns and. You come to the smaller rice and curry shops or the markets to buy your vegetables any, anywhere. Oh, yeah. Sweet and tea today. That's yeah. so nice. You know, exactly. You know, it's all about experience that authentic Sri Lankan hospitality. You know, so so I guess these people like Tiki Bar, it's whack. I don't know how. It's, it's a beautiful, it's, I like the location. They could do it much better. I mean, if that guy gives it to me and I, I like convert it, convert it into the best bar here, you know. Yeah. But, but still, like you know, they don't care. You know, they don't care about that service aspect. They are just, I guess it's everywhere in the world. They want to loot it, like hustle you. You know, it's the dirty, dirty South, basically. <laughs> <laughs> dirty South. 
we were talking to our friend Robbie the other day. We were having dinner with him the other night, and the point came up. We were talking about these spots. There's the amazing spots, and then there's the bad spots that are so bad, they're still kind of awesome, right? They have like this thing where it's, it's like, so it's, so it's so bad, it's so good, exactly. But the thing we can't stand is just mediocrity. These places that are operating from a place of apathy where they're just getting by. They don't have the vision to curate the service. They don't have the vision to create these memorable parties and these experiences for their guests. But people, yeah, people still go, people still show up because there's alcohol there. There's girls there. It's simple because it's about the consistency of their parties and events, you know. So, like, for an example, I wish we c- I could be, like, we could be doing parties more often, you know. But it's, it just takes a lot of energy, you know, especially to curate that sort of experience. It takes a lot out of you as well. But at the end of the day, it's about consistency. Um, and, you know, if you keep doing something for any business, you know. But then for us, it's not only a business, you know. It's something that we care about. Even the party culture is something that we care about. We want to, like, sort of, like, open doors for people to, like, come and enjoy that party culture eventually. Uh, so that's so these mediocre po- spots sort of ha- have to exist as well. For us to, like, you know, like, you know, so when we do something, you know, they understand this is the difference. Right. And I think there's a difference between, you know, there's a, there's a discrepancy between consistency and frequency. Like, they're doing their thing consistently, or frequently, but they're not consistently bringing the party. You're doing your thing maybe a little more sporadically, but you're consistently bringing the vibe, bringing the good time. I think Tiki Bar is frequently having a consistent vibe of just like way too loud and uh, it's it's a it's like probably one of these bars that's yeah, on a list you know, like somewhere online well okay so i think they would be better with a better speaker system but with a better sound guy because their speaker system is maybe not even that bad per se but they just play it too loud you know, and, and you're right there. They're they're under a covered area and everyone's in this small dance floor and the speakers are on the dance floor and you're just getting blasted. You know, all you need to do a good party, actually you don't you know the aesthetic of the place doesn't even matter if the speaker system is good. You know, what you need is good sound and good music. You know, that's all you need. And the space is incredible and I really wish, you know, like that place can like you know sort of like sort of curate it to like those people not those crack junkie beach boys who live in that area you know basically that's what they do you know i feel like well (laughs) i'm just glad that the beach boys will never i'm confident the beach boys will never come across this podcast because if they did they would definitely be beating our door down (laughs) with a machete bro Uh, <laughs> anyway, you know, like I don't all beach boys are actually most beach boys are good, you know, like they're really good. They're surfers actually. You know, they they follow the Rasta culture, listen to Bob Marley and have Che Guevara stickers on their tuk tuk. It's funny. So okay, we have to explain who the Beach Boys are. Not a band from California. Okay. Who are the Sri Lankan Beach Boys? The Sri Lankan Beach Boys were essentially, they were surfers, you know. They just got surfboards and they started surfing and they were, like, following the waves as everyone. But then eventually, you know, Sri Lankans have always been feared, like had fear to the ocean. Maybe because of post-colonial trauma. I've always said this to everyone. It's because of post-colonial trauma people came invaded us from the ocean and and you know if you go like through most towns some of these beaches in the south coast they're pristine beautiful beaches imagine how it was 200 years ago 100 years ago even but now they have been now everyone is everything is a road front property not a beachfront property you know so like you know they they basically have their back to the ocean and that's why the some of these towns they pollute the ocean which is really terrible. So but somehow they have this like like born fear to the ocean. You know? So then they don't go to the ocean. Only the junkies used to go to the ocean. 
So basically, uh, but the surfers would come from Australia before uh, and from England, from these plantations and all, and they came uh, and they gave surfboards to these junkies and they were like reformed junkies, beach boys, you know? But now it's become such a big business and, you know, territorialism is existent. They don't bother too many people just when they get drunk, you know? I guess that's, that's when they're annoying. Are they like a organization? Are they like a crew, a surf crew? What, how would you classify them? They're not definitely not an organization. It's <laughs> <laughs> like everyone, all of us, we are beach boys. <laughs> you know, we are, refor- we are all reformed junkies. <laughs> of something, you know, if you think about it. Uh, but no, I think I think, you know, it's just mostly... They're quite territorial, you know, each area have their local resident beach boys. You need them as well, if you think about it, to control some of these beaches because you see people get out of hand and, you know, like, they need to, like, you know, it's about being... But then the way they approach the whole situation might be quite ugly sometimes, which is not cool because they feel very territorial and, you know, they're not, like, also used to it, you know, at the same time, they're not used to having this many foreigners, like, for me, I feel like I'm a foreigner sometimes when I go to my own, own hometown, you know, like, I'm, like, yeah. one of many, like, I'm, like, the only brown people in, like, the streets, um, brown person in the streets sometimes, you know. Well, in the fort, I can, I can imagine, I mean, last year, I spent quite some time there, and yeah. some of the main, you know, where you mentioned the shops and everything are, it's all tourists, uh, unless someone's... It's still new in Sri Lanka, you know, so... And people, they haven't left the country, they haven't seen the world, so for them, like, I, you know, I recently, there, there's, at Hajime, there's this person, Dini, who works for us, okay? At the interview, <laughs> he was like, sir, white people, they're like aliens to me. <laughs> yeah, this is like uh, a bartender, who is not the bartender anymore for other reasons, <laughs> but he's in the front, but he's a really nice guy. But he told me in the interview, white people, they're like aliens, so I like to see them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad that, you know, he probably has a whole nother entertaining element to his job. He gets to, like, view these aliens, <laughs> and you know what? Some of us are quite pasty, so I can see why you would think that. Oh man. Well, we're kind of you know nearing the end he- of a uh, of our podcast episode here. Uh, I I did want to ask you just s- kind of general Sri Lanka. You know, I I don't know that many of our viewers or our listeners will have ever visited, but if they do come, what do you think are some must experience places or or dishes or um how long should someone stay do you think for a proper trip so i don't know i i would i would say like a month is a really good time to be in sri lanka it's perfect you know you can chill you can travel you can be adventurous you can party (coughs) and there are so many things you can do in sri lanka it's ancient land you know sri lanka has written uh, written history of 2500 years uh, the culture, the engineer, everything is there, you know. You can just go up north to Anuradhapura, Polonara, see the ancient kingdoms and relics. You still see um, some of the tanks that the kings built, you know. And then you can go to the jungle in Vilpatu. You have to visit uh, Arugambe if you're here during summertime. It's a Moscow. The landscape is great. Some of the oldest rock formations in the world is there. And Kumana National Park, a bird sanctuary. It's beautiful f- if you're like an oncologist. Is that what you call yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ornithologist. Yeah. Um, so, so, and in the south, you know, I love Gaul because it's my hometown. Also, because it has that culture, it has everything that Sri Lanka can offer, the nature, the culture, and the surf as well, you know. This whole south coast is incredible. If you're coming here during off-season, which is the rainy season, Gaul, Hirikatia, 
valley karma it's still still good uh if not uh the mountains you have to go to the mountains if while you guys are here you should go to haputale you should go to hotem plains it's one of the most beautiful forests in sri lanka um i think answering your question if you're in sri lanka if you're here for a month it's perfect but you can still come for 2 3 days and have a good time and go you know you can still like come here for like 2 3 days you know, come to one of our parties and then go it's perfect the trip is complete you know what that was my original plan and i came for a month and not even a year later i'm back for at least 2 months so <laughs> don't come to sri lanka unless <laughs> unless you're okay with the possibility of staying a long time or not leaving oh my god what a what a great conversation man thank you for sharing so much about your home and um your passion and your music wish you guys the best i can't wait to to go to some events yeah thank you for your music randall i was like it, like that day when you guys came and like jammed at hajime was really nice you know you know there was a time last year i got randall to come and perform uh for like what three weeks at a row <laughs> because there was no electricity you know so these are the things you got to deal with as well if you come to sri lanka sometimes you might have the occasional power cuts so you don't have like electricity for the whole day but you know if randall is around it's all good i realized that well <laughs> <laughs> man thanks so much for coming on the show this has been a great episode Thanks for sharing your story with us and we hope stories like yours can inspire our listeners to follow their hearts, follow their passions and truly lead a life that they love. Until next time. See ya.